Hi, everyone. Welcome to Meet the Rockadopolis. I'm Yes Like Rockadopolis. And I'm Lance Rockadopolis. And today we're going to talk about coercion. So, coercion is a very special form of control that is usually associated with threat and manipulation. The goal of coercion is to force someone to do something against their will. Essentially, to coerce someone is to substitute another person's will with one's own will. And I love this way of describing coercion because it's horrifying from a liberal, democratic, humanistic standpoint, and therefore it's sexy as fuck, you know. And needless to say, I am a liberal, democratic humanist. So, you know, coercion just sets me on fire. I'm just wondering whether all liberal, democratic humanists (laughs) find it sexy as fuck. Probably not. No, probably not. So, in the current vanilla world, coercion is generally frowned upon, but it's also ubiquitous all over vanilla in interpersonal relationships, education, criminal justice, workplaces, politics, religion, medicine. <laughs> yeah. Regarding politics, one of my favorite BBC shows, Yes Minister, has so many great moments that depict coercion in politics. And depending on the episode that you're watching, it has moments um, where either the civil servant or the minister that he works for is being coerced into doing the other's will. And working for a local government, I definitely can relate to this and see this all the time. The mayor for the city that I work for definitely makes demands on the city staff But then he and the council are very susceptible to the staff's influence. Overall, I think it's pretty safe to assert that coercion pervades all aspects of human endeavor. Coercion is also really big in the kink world, and sometimes it's used in ways that are similar to its use in vanilla. So we'll start by talking briefly about different types of coercion. And then we'll focus in on the uses of coercion in the kink world and in our relationship. So during our research for this episode, we encountered four general types of coercion. Physical coercion, social coercion, psychological coercion, and what I'm calling social manipulation, because it's not really the same as the technical definition of social coercion. Okay, so physical and social coercion are considered by academic philosophers to be the two formal types of coercion. Physical coercion occurs when someone threatens to harm a person's body if they don't comply with the coercer's wishes such as a mugger threatens to shoot you if you don't hand over your wallet. Yeah, the legal definition would also include grabbing someone by the collar to intimidate them or making sexual advances when you're in a position of higher authority. Social coercion is when a person threatens to damage someone's reputation or their relationships with other people in general. 
For example, if a blackmailer threatened to inform your longtime girlfriend that you've been cheating on her with one of your interns, if you don't fork over $100,000. Psychological coercion involves directly manipulating and controlling another person's thoughts and even memories. One particularly grievous example is when police detectives interrogate suspects using highly aggressive strategies so that they'll end up confessing to a crime they didn't commit. The Central Park jogger case comes to mind. Five Black and Latino teenagers were charged, tried, convicted, and sentenced to 6 to 12 years after being coerced into making false confessions. And if you're really interested, you can watch the full coerced video confessions of three of those five suspects. There's also the Ken Burns documentary about it. It's pretty harrowing. Mm. Yeah, you didn't even know that they weren't actually guilty, and you're from wow. New York. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's I distinctly remember hearing about that in the papers and in the news. It was really horrible, and the way they depicted those five in the press was equally horrible. Right, and there was no truth to it at all. I mean, the woman was raped, but she had no memory. It was just a disaster. What we're going to call social manipulation is generally considered a less formal type of coercion, and it can take many forms, including peer pressure, advertising, manipulating workplace dynamics, pressuring someone to consent to sexual activities. Humans on the whole are remarkably inventive when it comes to devising ways to control other people. So even though the kink world is all about enthusiastic consent, there are still all kinds of coercion at play in almost every aspect of kink and BDSM. A lot of the coercion is playful and consensual, but a fair amount of it has nothing to do with kinky play or consensual power dynamics. So we're going to talk about three areas where we see coercion in the kink world. Coercion in kinky play, coercion as a form of consensual power exchange, and social coercion or social manipulation. So playful coercion is really a mainstay of kinky play. In play sessions, there can be a lot of pre-negotiated, time-limited power exchange that involves bondage, threat of physical punishment or abuse. It seems to me that when it comes to kinky play, a big part of it is that you both do and do not want me to do certain things to you. Mm-hmm. It's the combination of pleasure and pain that somehow coerces you into remaining in an uncomfortable situation. There's the physical pleasure, but there's also the psychological pleasure that comes from you not calling a safe word. And so that's a form of psychological coercion. It's psychic bondage. You're in a mental and emotional double bind. Yeah, basically it's damned if I do and damned if I don't. And for me as a sadist, that is, it's like the highest form of play. Oh, wow. It gives me a great deal of pleasure. 
in power exchange, the double bind is where the power is. I don't want to just hurt you. I want you to keep coming back for more. Mm -hmm. And it's everything that we do in our dynamic. You are putting a lot of energy into our relationship, thinking about ways of hurting, humiliating, using me, taking advantage of me because I love it so much. It's both physical and emotional. And I mean, consensual non-consent is probably just maybe obviously uh, really about the sub's desire to be coerced. Mm -hmm. There's also playful coercion in role play. Nazi play and race play come to mind. Uh, the Abu Ghraib play that we heard about, that one is very impressive. 1950s household could have a strong coercive element in it like it did in real life. And then there's also medical play. Yeah, we really haven't explored medical play, but I do have a story that demonstrates the power inherent in the whole doctor-patient dynamic and the potential of abusing that position of authority. When I went to college, I at some point decided to get a physical, but I had no idea of who I was seeing, whether it was a male or female doctor, what their level of experience was, or even if I was going to see a certified or basically a doctor who, who got his uh, degree. I think I ended up with a male internist one that recently graduated. So we did the, he did the physical and we got to the part where he mentions that he will now have to stick his finger up my butt. And he, he tries to make the situation more comfortable and me more comfortable by acknowledging that it's awkward for most people. And as he's doing it, he's talking about how some men feel a pleasurable sensation from the prostate being stimulated. And to me, it seems like it's going on and on for way too long. And he's asking me if, if I feel him touching it. Your prostate. Right. I say, yes, of course. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of unsexy things to keep my erection down. I don't want him to get the wrong impression of me thinking that I was gay. Honestly, I think the skimpy bikini briefs that I was wearing actually gave <laughs> actually gave him the wrong impression. Oh, yeah. Sure, it was the wrong impression. <laughs> but I do remember that I was very submissive and in a very susceptible frame of mind during that whole experience. Slightly turned on, very scared. I felt like if the intern would have started ordering me around, I would have complied to do whatever he wanted me to do. Yeah. So of course that was a horrible violation of your boundaries and that doctor <laughs> is an abuser and should and you should have, you know, said something. I don't <laughs> I couldn't point to anything that he did that was abusive though. Well if he was lingering a little too long. But that's all a matter of degrees. I <laughs> yeah, and he he was beyond the degree of appropriate lingering. But I didn't say anything, and I didn't object. So yeah, well, I was kind of being facetious. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, shit happens, you know. And mm -hmm. and I have also experienced not any kind of sexual arousal from pap smears, from pelvic exams. 
but I have experienced feeling very, very relaxed. Mm. Like that's all you can do is really just relax and let it happen. My longtime uh, family practice doctor, I was very concerned about what I was worried was a lump on my cervix, right? That's why you get those pelvic exams, Mm -hmm. you know, to check for cervical cancer. I was very concerned, you know, I, I tend to be a little bit I don't know. What's the word? Hypochondriac? Maybe. <laughs> so she's looking at it and I'm like, so do you feel it? Do you feel it? And she had her speculum. Mm-hmm. So he, yeah. She's like, I can feel it, but it's that's not cancer. It looks like it could be scar tissue from a procedure I'd, I had had 10 years before. And I was like, are you sure? And she's like, Yes, I'm sure. It's your cervix is adorable. <laughs> that made me feel so proud of myself. So you have such an adorable uh, or beautiful liver. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what? it was like for a moment she thought that I was worried about the aesthetics mm. of the cervix. <laughs> Generally speaking, I I mean after the first. Well, I won't. I I am not going to go into the inappropriate details okay. like you did. But let's just say that I didn't mind it all that much. Yeah, um, but 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 overall, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I definitely get why kinksters like medical play. Most people have experienced the power dynamic associated with a doctor-patient relationship, and they want to recreate that dynamic in their role playing sessions. Yeah, and it certainly is about power exchange. On the vanilla side of it, I mean, they literally have you in their hands mm-hmm. physically as well as psychologically. They have all the power. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the only thing I could do is just let it happen. So obviously in power exchange relationships, there are plenty of potential occasions to use coercion. The first one that comes to mind is traditional financial domination. This is not something that I would do. It's probably the only thing that Lance wouldn't want me to do. (laughs) I don't know Um, about that. We we kind of talked about it. So basically, traditional financial domination is a fetish that a man has to have um, a dominatrix of some kind, a a femdom of some kind, slowly drain his bank account until he's completely broke. So Mm. it has very real world ramifications. Right. So maybe weekly or at random intervals, the traditional fine dom will just start drawing stuff without any exchange of services for it. Right. And he's not even necessarily being blackmailed. It's it's just like an obligation that he feels. And I kind of think that he's kind of trying to atone for his past sins. Maybe payback for accumulating all that wealth. Almost like a kind of paying indulgences. <laughs> right. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, the Congregationalists, right? The first Europeans coming to New England actually believed that if you were rich, it was because God loved you. Mm-hmm. And if you were poor, it was because God did not really like <laughs> you. And I actually heard this discussed. In a sermon of the United Church of Christ, which is what the Congregationalists eventually evolved into, and he was kind of laughing about it, but I didn't go back to that church. You know, that was just, no, that's not something to joke about, in my opinion. (laughs) So I just love the idea that 
that giving away all of your money could actually be seen as a sin against God, (laughs) as a deliberate insult to God's love for you. Mm. And, you know, of course, this whole idea of God loving the rich is polar opposite to Jesus's teachings, but whatever. I can totally see a rich congregationalist getting off on blowing all his money on a fine dom. (laughs) So what about social coercion and manipulation? Yeah, as with all social media, there's an element of bullying or keyboard commandos, as I like to call them, on FetLife. I'd like to give one example of that. I had a profound negative experience with FetLife to the point where I really don't engage in forums or discussions in any serious way. I reached out to what I thought was my community, my tribe, for legitimate advice on how to deal with me being rejected by a dom telling me that I was too submissive. Some were supportive, but overall I just got harangued by a bunch of people that wanted to argue about definitions of words that I was using instead of actually dealing with the issue that I was trying to address. So now I'm very reluctant to reach out to people on FetLife for advice. They are not my community and I will not be as open and honest with my feelings as I used to be. In summary, I went looking for a community and instead I was confronted by a people trying to control how I did my kink and control the way that I was thinking and felt about kink. But it's probably true that this type of coercion, which is not consensual, or at least not enthusiastically consensual, is mostly online. There's a lot less personal risk associated with online coercion than with real-life coercion. Our experience at real-life social gatherings and play parties seems to indicate that kinksters are usually much less inclined to bully people in person. But we really don't do all that much in-person socializing, so I could be wrong. With regard to coercion in our relationship, how do we go about replacing Lance's will with mine? First of all, this is, of course, all consensual. You have to get that disclaimer in. Yes. Lance wants to have his will replaced with mine. Why? You got me. Why do you want that, Lance? I think I want it. I think we both want the real thing, true power exchange. We want that deepest form of expression of power exchange. I've fantasized about being totally dominated to the point of being brainwashed, and I find that very sexy. Where basically your thoughts become mine and I can anticipate your needs even before you issue a command. I think that's a beautiful form of identity loss whereby I truly become part of you. Which is a strange thing to say given what I just said about being controlled by the kink community and how I hated that. The difference is that I don't run towards coercion wherever I see it, just with someone I trust, love, and respect. So once he consented to 24-7 TPE, the onus was really on me to figure out what I wanted. And remember, I don't have a dick, so I just can't command him to go get me a shrimp cocktail and a blowjob. My sexuality is a lot more complicated than that. 
if it's sex I wanted, I would have to be in the mood and a bunch of conditions need to be met before I can get in the mood. But how could I use you for services that I couldn't really provide to myself? Mm -hmm. And it came down to goals. Without goals, I think our relationship would have petered out within six months or so. The goals are largely what keep our dynamic alive. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And you were the one who pointed that out initially. But you started off with the definition of coercion as replacing my will with yours. And it seems like that's a constant theme in our relationship, one that I love and embrace. We frequently talked about Stockholm syndrome and brainwashing, which is so very sexy. To me, this is very much akin to the ovipositor kink that I recently came across, where the hapless victims serve as incubators of parasites or, in Hollywood's imagination, alien beings taking over humans. But instead of thicky gelatin eggs shoved up my ass with a hollow plastic dildo, this <laughs> like is impregnating me with her goals and her alien will. Alien will. That's pretty cool. That makes me think twice about the ovipositor thing. Not really, <laughs> though. So if my will and words are the ovipositor, what are the seeds? What are the eggs? I would say that growing in our roles, you becoming more powerful, enhancing your ability to control me as I grow weaker in will and more susceptible to your influence, the commands that you issue are the eggs and the sex and long-term chastity orgasm denial plays a big part in that ability to influence. So basically all of the overt dominating behaviors are making you fertile. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah. That makes sense. But I don't actually want to weaken your will in general. I just want you to direct your will entirely toward accomplishing my goals. You still have a will. It's just now my will. There's got to be another cool metaphor for that or analogy. It could be like an insemination, but it could also be like viruses taking over mm -hmm. your cells. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but there's also a lot of talk of you changing aspects of your personality for me. And I think that that would really be power exchange at such a deep level. Mm. It's one thing just to obey commands to do things physically. Right. It's another thing to put the effort in to work on basic personality traits. Yeah, that's going to be the major effort and where most of the challenge is going to lie. So on a scale of one to a hundred, how close are you to being able to change your personality? Like zero, no way, a hundred perfection. I would say that just me acknowledging that my tone of voice is a problem for you and realizing that I want to change, I think that we're more than halfway there just based on that fact. Really? So basically you accepting my will. Right. That's half the battle. Correct. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and listeners, just so you know, I'm not trying to change anything that's submissive about his personality. It's not like I'm trying to make him into someone who's going to dom me because I feel like that is a fear of a lot of submissive men that women are are really just going to turn it around on them eventually. 
yeah, my fear is that you'll just totally lose interest in dominating me because I've, I've come in the, in this past five years of knowing you that that is who I really am. So if that goes away, then I, I, I'd have nothing. You need a dom in order to be who you are. The fact is that it's the dominant parts that are still in you that I don't like. <laughs> okay. so I know it's hard to really believe our luck mm-hmm. in finding each other yeah. and to trust that that the other person really is who they are saying mm-hmm. they are, you know, because it's so counter cultural. Yeah. But there are areas where you've already brainwashed me into accepting your view and politics definitely comes to mind. I've accepted a more liberal progressive stance on political issues, but that influence really isn't solely coming from you. Um, it also came from how I saw how the Republican Party became co-opted by the religious right. And quite frankly, that disgusted me. And we talked a little bit about my attitude. Um, you mentioned my tone of voice is frequently a problem. And we have implemented measures <laughs> to uh, correct that. You have me wearing a dog shock collar when you're at my place. And if there's an issue, you just push the button and correct me in that way. Oh, you don't have the collar on right now. Mm. You need to put it on you. Let's pause for a minute okay. so you can get the collar. Okay, recording. So where are we? Thank goodness Lance has his collar on now. Let's see if that works. <sighs> it's not working. Yes, it definitely is working. Okay. All right, onward. I think that's... What is it set at? Eight. Eight. I think for a real to turn, it should be higher. <laughs> well, it's... <laughs> Oh, you God, that, that's, that's, that's more than enough. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So <laughs> I just have to stop and say how fucking excited I am for you right now. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, that was too much. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> mm. oh, okay. Let, just give us a moment. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely a strong deterrent. It's no, okay. powerful. <laughs> so this concludes today's discussion of coercion. Thank you very much for joining us. Our next episode, in our next episode, we will revisit domestic discipline. My thoughts about it have evolved considerably since we talked about it a year or so ago. Until then, have a great week.